Welcome to Vacation Station, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. You know, every, is it every fourth Saturday we get to chat with Glenn? It's so cool. Glenn Burrows is the owner of Norfolk Tours in England. He's a tour guide, the owner of it, and he's also a family history expert and just a general history expert. He loves history, and so do we. And today, he's going to talk to us about what it would be like to take a royal tour of Britain. It is the Platinum Jubilee of uh, the Queen of England, and of course, there's a lot of buzz about royalty, uh, England's royalty not only in America, but around the world. And uh, so, it, you know, it's a good time to look into what you can experience. I encourage you to go to his website, norfolk-tours.co.uk, and also read his article about it and see photos and even photos of paintings from way back when. Go to nationalparktraveling.com. The article will also be in our upcoming issue of Parks and Travel magazine. So welcome back, Glenn. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks. How are you? We're doing good, doing good. We're recording this while we're in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Very nice. It's nice and warm, and I hear that you're having a beautiful summer in England. We are, yeah. We've got a a lovely bit of sunshine. It's not too hot for you lot, um, because it's about 77 in Fahrenheit. Um, But for us, it's really hot, so we... We sit in the shade and we come indoors. Because uh, and eat Mr. Whippies. <laughs> that's perfect weather, though. That's, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow. So yeah. before we talk about the royal tour, <clears throat> mm-hmm. what is a royal tea, like the high tea? Do they do that in the palace, in Buckingham Palace? Yeah, well, the Queen does have afternoon tea, but most of her afternoon tea is going to be very, very light. So it's going to be the, the cucumber sandwiches with the crusts cut off and the little fancy cakes and things. But the Queen, the Queen actually doesn't eat that much. I mean, she's a very, very small person. Um, she, eats, she eats a very small quantity, so I'm told. Um, she doesn't tell anybody what her favourite meal is. Because obviously, if you told someone what your favorite meal is, that would be what everybody gave you, and then you'd get sick of it. So <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't actually make that well known. But you know, the Queen, I should imagine, eats very similar to what we do, mm. or to any any older person. Generally, mm. doesn't eat a lot anyway, do they? So she eats a lot of a lot of light food. I think from what what I've heard, she eats quite a lot of different meals but very little mm. so she probably she probably has breakfast then she has elevenses then she has lunch then she has afternoon tea then she has her evening meal then she has supper so she's not she's not going to eat a lot she's not going to eat a lot in any of their meals but she just mm. eats a little bit at a time well it's important because look how long mm-hmm. she's going i mean exactly she's- well, we want to we want to follow in her footsteps. I mean, if if we need to eat a little bit all day long, that sounds good to me. I think it's that's a good have way ice to cream than chocolate. It's, no, <laughs> but I think it's healthier than 
three meals or actually most Americans really eat two meals a day. Yeah. And that, is, that is better. It's better for your metabolism to eat a little bit spread through the meal, through the day, yeah. isn't it? Right. And not actually, I mean, when I lived in France, the, the main meal was sort of like eight o'clock at night. And that, that isn't really any good because no. you then you get up from the table and go to bed, you know, so yeah. that's that's not really very good for you. So no. I think the idea of eating a little bit regularly throughout the day is a good idea. Well, I read this once about the ladies of France and Paris. Why are they so skinny and slim, you know, very fashionable? And they, they I read that they uh, drink leek soup and drink a lot of red wine. I tried that. It didn't work for me. No, leek it didn't soup work. And red wine. No, separately, but they drink a lot of red wine and drink a lot of leek soup. And it's apparently that slims you down. Apparently, yeah, probably, maybe I did too much. Probably, red wine. You, probably you drank too many gallons of red wine. I think so. I well, think also, so. You probably didn't make your own leek soup because commercial I, leek well, soup to is me, full when of you make, flour and no, no, sodium. no. I use butter. I use butter to make your. Leek soup. Yeah, you use a lot well, of no butter. Well, no wonder you cheese. didn't lose weight. <laughs> yeah. And also, you eat, if you're anything like the French, you eat a lot of bread with your soup as well. So that's, Of course. Of course. Know. All right. So let's get to the royalty, you know, because you say this dates back to over a thousand years. I'm getting us back on track. See? Yeah, but yeah. You're good at this. A thousand, I'm trying. I'm trying. But, um, well, think about we're talking about food and, and royalty back in the day were those big feasts like when you go oh, to yeah. like castles and things you mm-hmm. always think about the king and queen and all their yes. guests with their golden goblets and people getting fed grapes and big thing of meat on the table like pheasant yeah. and pig and, and that that then would have been a massive meal with 15 or 20 courses where they wow. would sit down and they would have 15 or 20 courses, including swan and pork and beef and lamb. And, wow. you know, you're, you're talking everything. So to sit down and have a meal like that would have been horrendous. And that is why, um, you know, very often you will find in big, big houses, the beds are quite short. And a lot of that is not because they were shorter. It's because they slept propped up. So they slept more sitting oh. up than they did laying flat, how we do. And a lot of that was to do with the fact that, that they were eating so much. Oh, my gosh. So digest- So they didn't invent gi- digestive wow. biscuits then. I remember <laughs> no. those in England. Everybody had digestive biscuits after tea. Maybe they <laughs> ate in bed. Well, who knows? <laughs> okay, but now would that, would that be a normal meal on a daily basis or is that normally just when it's celebration of something? Uh, no, that, that would be, you know, for big, big events. But the, the royals in sort of medieval times, they did seem as if they went over the top because they, they, had, they had it. So they wanted to make sure that they made everybody aware that they had it. So if you went to tea with the king then he would show you how rich he was by having things like partridges and pheasants and swans and peacocks and suckling pigs. Wow. And, you know, so he's telling you how rich he is by the food that he feeds you, you know, oh, so wow. that is what it's all about. You know, it's, it's all about showing off really. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. And, and now, you know, when you think about this over a thousand years and you think about 
the queen has, you know, been there, what, almost 100 years. Yeah, I mean, she's she's doing good, you know, um, so a lot of people will always think, oh, first thing is Buckingham Palace. And but you you started off, well, let's do this. Eight, you know, you gave an example of what it would be like to go on a, a tour with the theme of royalty. Yes. And you, you said you'd arrive at Gatwick. I remember Gatwick or, you know, Heathrow, wherever. And you said that you would start on the South Coast. Yes, and I know we've, we've talked on the show a lot about Sandringham um, in Norfolk. Yep. So that's a place too. But uh, yep. tell us about the South Coast, what we can experience. Well, the thing is, England is so big. Well, it's not big. Sorry. <laughs> Compared to America, England is that mm-hmm. big. But, you know, to, to actually enjoy a tour, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you need to spend a decent amount of time in each right. place. You know, rather than arrive somewhere, say you've got two hours to look round, and when then we're leaving, and then we're going to go here, and we're going to have two hours there, and we're going to leave, and we're going to have two. I don't like that sort of tour. I like mm-hmm. to be able to spend time enjoying and soaking up what area I'm in. That's so true. I thought, well, if we're going to go to Gatwick, um, which is the south of London, we may as well go south. So I thought, well, Brighton has the Brighton Pavilion which was built by George IV. And, you know, it shows what Regency England was all about. And that was about extremes mm-hmm. and boasting about what you had and being show off. You know, the Regency period was all about showing off. And, mm-hmm. and basically the Brighton Pavilion is just decadence gone mad. And... You know, so that's having a look at that period in history. And that's a period in history that we don't actually think a lot about. You know, we think about the Victorians and we think about the Georgians Mm -hmm. and we think about, you know, different periods in history. But Regency and George IV is a period that we don't really look at very much. But it was a period when George III was getting old obviously he'd been king for a long while and they do say that he went mad whether he did or not i don't know is he the one that died and then some like and then they they rushed his death or or am i getting my king no 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 that was george v oh okay sorry got my Um, george's mixed up george the the third was mad king george so he was known as he went a bit mad they reckon i don't know if he did um, anyway, his son, George, who then later became George IV, took over running the country as Prince Regent, which mean a prince in charge of the throne. And he was he was wasteful. He was a womanizer. He drank a lot. He, you know, he, he was basically not a good role mm. model. Um, and he was the one who built Brighton. Um, because George III had made Brighton a popular place to go to because he was the one who went there to bathe in the sea for Mm. health reasons. It then became popular. And then George IV, when he was prince, decided that was going to be where he was going to build this opulent monstrosity that is Brighton Pavilion. That is is somewhere to start and it's somewhere to, to think about a period in history that we don't learn a lot about. Hmm. And then, then I would suggest that we go along the coast. But isn't Brighton Beach, I just want to go back, Brighton Beach, I, that was always like the famous beach to go hang out at. 
Oh, yeah, Brighton Beach. Yeah. I mean, Brighton popular... is, yeah, Brighton is a seaside resort, definitely. You know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very popular seaside resort, and that is mainly thanks to King George III that okay. he, he made Brighton popular. Well, he made going to the seaside popular because before George III, really, the only time you went to the seaside was to buy fish. You know, you didn't go to the seaside to go and lay on the beach. Oh, I uh, do want to go beside the seaside. Exactly. But that's, we got to thank George III for that. I had no idea about that. I, I didn't think that. I just always thought we went to the beach. No. Yeah. George III was recommended to take in seawater, you know, to bathe in seawater. Oh. Um, so okay. he then made that popular. So if, if the king does it, then everybody else does it. That's so interesting. That then it brought is. that all on. In, in Africa, I mean, this in happened Kenya. when we lived in Kenya and in South yeah. Africa, different tribes, uh, black tribes, they mm. went to the coast, they would take bottles, empty bottles, and fill them up with jugs with of seawater water. and drink the seawater for whatever it, they, whatever they you know, thought was wrong. And some did them. not want to go and freaked out, like that's, you know, depending, you know, now it's a little different, but I'm talking about way back when, before internet and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when they'd go for the first time, it's like, what, you know, and so, but it was a big deal because you went and got seawater for your village. And that was, as we would say, muti medicine. And um, yeah. so I wonder, well, well, like, I don't, who, I don't think, I don't think George the third actually drank it. He bathed in it. Oh, the Africans was, drank it. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think drinking it was part of the thing. It could have been, I don't know. I mean, we've got, We've got spas as well in, in England, like Harrogate, where you go to a spa to either drink the water and bathe in it. Um, but I think seawater was mainly for bathing in. Mm. Um, that was a relaxation thing. So people then started to go to the sea. And then obviously when the railways arrived in the 1830s and 40s and 50s, it was then easier for common people to go to the seaside because you could go by rail. And that is then what brought about the Victorian craze to go to the seaside. Oh, wow. So, and, and you see so those all... pictures of everybody like fully dressed almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then that's they go, they're in, a, they go in a bathing, in a bathing machine to come out fully clothed <laughs> in a, in a, in a bathing costume that went from here, right yeah. the way down to your, to your ankles, you know, but that was, that's that funny. was, but that's all well, thanks you know, to the royal family. Some people should do that instead of wearing speedos. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I had to put that speedos in there. Speedos and bikinis. To... Yeah, no, some bikinis are fine, but I mean the you know well, anyway. Depending on your shape and size. Oh, you just had to keep going. <laughs> I'm just gonna say because last time we saw at a lake, we saw a man in okay. a little red speedo that looked like a band-aid. <laughs> uh, it wasn't and it wasn't a lake it was a spring, spring. it um yeah, and it is in florida and on the and other side is a bunch of alligators and water snakes and we're like even the alligators didn't care about him this is where the creature <laughs> from the black lagoon was filmed would yeah. you get in that water no people have <laughs> been doing it for years and they swear nothing has happened with alligators and we took the boat ride and went right up, and there's an alligator. Like, there's, there's a little net. No, that separates sort of. It's got little buoys on, and it kind of floats there. And there's, 
anything could get past that net. So, you know, Nancy was rooting for him to get further in the water. No, but he so never could really see if there was the any water. action. He just went up to his knees and I'm like, go in, go in. Go on. We want to film something, <laughs> you know, but anyway, there, the alligators did be, they behaved. But so let's go back to England because it sounds like a, a calmer coast. Um, so you go from Brighton. Where are we going next? Um, we're going to go across to um, Portsmouth. Um, Portsmouth is one of our big ports. Um Ports mouth, you know. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's Portsmouth, yeah. Um, um, but <clears throat> there is the Mary Rose, which is a, a ship that belonged to Henry VIII, which sank um, off the coast of Portsmouth in 1545. And a few years ago, in the 80s, it was discovered, and they actually raised what was left of it and put it in a great big purpose-built building. And... And preserved it. So actually what you see when you go to the Mary Rose Museum is you see basically half of a Tudor ship because it's all all there in this great big building. And the interesting thing is that when they dug up this ship, it still had loads and loads of stuff on it. Everyday bits and pieces like, you know, combs for your hair, razors, uh, bottles, jars clothes, shoes, because obviously being in the mud and in the water, a lot of stuff that would normally rot didn't rot. That's why the hull of the ship is still in good condition because it went into the sediment Mm. and the the sand and the water kept the oxygen out and therefore it didn't rot. So they lifted all of this wood out there and they preserved it. Because uh, they they injected it with some wax resin, I believe, but they have to keep oh. it wet anyway. So they play water on it all day um, to keep it wet and to keep it in good condition. Wow. But like I say, the, the best thing about the Mary Rose is that they discovered all these everyday objects which wouldn't normally have survived. So oh, this wow. is the amazing thing about the Mary Rose Museum. And to think that when it went down in 1545, Henry VIII stood on the on the coast, watching his big ship sailing up the river, and then suddenly it went down. So oh, he actually watched it go down. Oh. Um, the, the interesting thing about that is that we in Norfolk have just heard that there was a ship that went down in 1682 off the coast of Norfolk, and that has now been discovered. Well, actually, it was discovered in 2007, but it's been under wraps for the last 15 years because they didn't want anyone else to know about it. Um, Now the news has broke and there has been absolutely thousands of everyday objects that have come out of that wreck as well. So we we're waiting for details. Um, Like I say, this news only broke last week. So it's not off the press, Um, but they've found so many everyday objects it is going to be absolutely fascinating wow i, I can't love it. wait i can't yeah. wait to hear the details of it wow i love this i love this because it's just so when you find you know all these artifacts and they've been preserved like in the ocean and things it's mm. just so cool to imagine what people were using and how they were using them when you say razors as a woman I'm going it's not the type of razor I want to use but you know what I mean it's it's you know you think about what they even take on a ship what were they doing on the ship you know who was on there what happened why did they go down 
yeah. I mean, there's it's like a ship of mysteries, you know. Well, well, apart from anything else, you know, the the, the interesting thing is that you've just said, you know, what would you take on board a ship? Well, if you were going on a ship for a, a long journey, you would take everything. Yeah. So yeah. when the ship goes down, obviously you save yourself, but everything else is left behind. So mm-hmm. everything. So if you can imagine what I would leave behind if I went on a ship today, mm. I mean, I would leave my computer, my laptop, <gasps> whatever, my telephone, um, I might leave some spare glasses. I would leave um, notebooks. I would leave um, my my toilet stuff. You know, my my toothbrush yeah, yeah. and my toothpaste and my soap and my shampoo and it, everything like that would all be left in my cabin with all my spare clothes and like I don't know what uh, you know belts and wallets and money and that that all be left in the cabin. So that is the sort of stuff that you're going to find. Mm. So that is the sort of stuff that doesn't normally turn up on archaeological digs because they've all rotted anyway. Um, And that's Mm. not the sort of stuff that ended up in a museum because they were everyday items. So nobody thought about keeping a tube of toothpaste. You know, who who keeps a tube of toothpaste because that's an everyday item? You know, so they are the sort of things. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I want to tell people that Glenn's next interview is going to be on maritime history. We're going to look at ships like the Golden Hindy, Hind, the Golden Hind that um, <laughs> are the you Sir know Francis Drake. Sir Francis Drake. He talk about a radical. He was radical, right? And he made all the Spanish mad and caused wars everywhere he went. But the Queen <laughs> that goes back to royal history. All of these of ships. It does. I mean, everything. Yeah. So, everything um, goes back to royal history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. So um, everyone stay tuned for that. But I mean, this is so cool so that you can see the Mary Rose. Yes. What a good name. I love the name. Mm-hmm. Mary Rose. It was, it was seems... named after one of his daughters. Oh, okay. Okay. I believe. Yeah. Um, so anyway, from, from there, we would go across to the Isle of Wight. Um, again, not many people go to the Isle of Wight when they come to England because it's an island and you have to get a ferry to go across to it. There isn't a bridge. Cool. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day who lives in the Florida Keys. And, and I, I like to, whenever I talk to somebody in America or wherever, I like to get Google up and find out where it is and everything. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw that there is a road that runs all the way down the Keys. Now, how amazing is that? You live on all these little islands yeah, there's a road that gets you back to the, the mainland, the mainland. In, in England, there isn't a bridge across to the Isle of Wight, so you have to get a ferry. Um, but we would go there because another house that we don't hear a lot about and a lot of stuff that we don't read about much is Osborne. Now, Osborne House was built, it was designed by Prince Albert um, because he... Although he weren't an architect, he was an architect. I mean, he designed buildings, he designed the Crystal Palace, or he he was very, very heavily involved in that. Um, and he was heavily involved in the design of, of Osborne House. And that was built in around the 1840s, um, about 1845, I believe. And that was a home for the family to go down there when they were on holiday and they used to spend most of the summer in Osborne. And that is where um, Queen Victoria actually died. So oh, she wow. died, she died in Osborne house. 
But, you know, there's them sorts of places that people don't normally go to. They go to, you know, Buckingham Palace or wherever. But, you know, Buckingham Palace is is one thing. But, mm. you know, Osborne House is something different. Brighton is something completely different. Sandringham's completely different, you know. So they're the sort of places that I feel are more important to learn more about the family as people mm. rather than, you know, obviously Buckingham Palace is about the royal family as ruling monarchs. Mm -hmm. And we will go to Windsor. Um, Windsor is on the list. Um, and that's all about the royal family. But I think it's important also to get a fuller picture of what the royal family are about because they are, or they were as well, families, you know. Mm -hmm. And Osborne was a family home. The same and it seems family. that it's, it gives them some privacy also to be on the Isle yeah. of Wight versus yeah. on the mainland. And, you know, it's interesting taking a ferry across. The, did they have a royal ferry that was only for them, like a, their um, own boat? Well, they, they used to have a royal yacht. <clears throat> Um, I don't know whether Victoria, um, she did have a royal yacht, but I don't know whether she had one at that point. Um, something else I'll have to look up. So um, I'll make a note. let me make a note of that. Yeah, well, this will be all part of the, the maritime history. I mean, when you think yeah. about it, it's really they always say, you know, the sun never sets on England. You always think about the, the ships going out. From yes, England of course. To well, all I these mean, countries sure. around the world, you know, we have an island. You know, yeah. you have I mean, to be seaworthy. We yeah, we haven't got a royal yacht at the moment. The Royal Yacht Britannia mm -hmm. was um, scrapped and sold a few years ago, oh. um, but up until then, we had a royal yacht, um, which was How too expensive. How did they scrap it? That's like well, they didn't scrap history. it; they sold it. They sold oh, that's it. That's part of history. I yeah. think it. I think it's a hotel or something. Now I'll look it up. Oh, oh no that's kind of cool. <laughs> royal yeah, royal but... Yacht Britannia. Oh, that's um, kind of wow. cool, though. If you can stay in it, that's. A way yeah. of keeping the history yeah, going. Yeah. I, I think it's now something. It, it, like I say, it's it's not the royal yacht anymore. But I think it is. It, it was sold for, and I'm pretty certain it was it's, a hotel. It's, it's so a fascinating to me how, how things get changed around, like how we sell our military aircraft and tanks, and I know, how we, and then all of a sudden the country we sold them to turns around and going, oh yeah, we're pointing them at you now. You know what I mean? So it's kind of always interesting to me. Like I just feel like we shouldn't be doing any of it. We should hold well, on to our stuff. I don't know. That's, you know, but it doesn't yeah. work that way. It doesn't, you know, but yeah. right now we want to help Ukraine. So, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a very different world, you know, but, but this is cool. I mean, if you could stay in a hotel that was a ship that's, or a yacht, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. So Windsor, that's a big deal. That's something we hear about, you know, Windsor and yeah. this, why did we must have gone to Windsor Castle, Nancy? I feel like we did. I don't know. Well, don't Windsor, Windsor we Castle, Windsor Castle is mm -hmm. is a place that you know if you're if you're in England mm -hmm. and and you haven't been, it's a place to go. You know, it is interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a it is a day to have a look around Windsor Castle. It's not something you can just look around in a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. um, the actual castle itself, the the main castle keep which is on top of the Mott, which is the, the bump, the, the hill, um, that was built by William the Conqueror. Well, a, wow. a castle was built there. It was probably a timber one. And the one that's there at the moment was, was a bit later on. But, you know, there, there has been a castle on that site for mm. nigh on a thousand years. 
So, um, you know, it is it is something that is continuous. You know, we with with Windsor, Windsor Castle is the biggest and the longest continuously inhabited castle in the world. Wow. You know, it's been it's been the home of the kings of England and queens of England since 1110. So oh, wow. it, it is, you know, it's a, it's a long while. So this yeah. isn't part of the tour though. So I just skipped. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. We would end up, we would end, oh, up, we would end up there. Yeah. Where's the fancy toilet? The fancy what? toilet is, <laughs> I love toilets. I love toilets. Me too. Uh, I want to write a book about toilets across the world. I mean, around the oh, world. Yeah, I mean, to- toilets, toilets are Sometimes fantastic. they have foot things that you can do. Like if you're riding a motorcycle, like you can just push the accelerator, like a, you know, the accelerator oh, right. and then it flushes. There's yeah. some of them. And yeah, I've seen ones like that. No. And no, then there's the way people do bathrooms, you know, are, they put pennies at the bottom of the toilet to see if people will go and try and get the pennies out of the bottom of the toilet. Why no, not? Stop it. And well, then there's one anyway, where you can see out and people can't see in. The toilet that you're talking about to bring us back on track. I know we're getting back on. Well, you said toilet. The yeah, is, is at Hampton Court, Hampton Court Palace. Um, and Hampton Court Palace is, is, is an amazing place. And again, if you've got any time in, in, in and around London, you know, Hampton Court Palace is definitely a place to go to because it, it is such a beautiful building. Um, in fact, I went there to, uh, was it, no, it was the day before all the flights were cancelled out of England from COVID because my, my guests, um, we went to Hampton Court Palace and I dropped them off at, uh, Heathrow Airport and they got the last flights out of England before we were all locked down for COVID. Oh my so gosh. They, they were they were really lucky. Anyway, Hampton Court Palace is is a beautiful 16th century palace. And the thing that I love about that is we have Henry VIII's close stool. Now Henry You shouldn't say close. stool around us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's are you stool. Nancy's looking at are you Googling it right now? I don't know. Go- you're you're Oh, you're you are. Googling, right. You're googling the stool. Yeah, it's, it's called it's called Henry VIII's close stool, and he he had a, a beautiful toilet which was basically a square box with a potty in it, and and it was all it was all padded and and lovely. Um, but the the main thing about this is that they actually had somebody whose job was to be with the king while he was on the toilet. <laughs> and the, the man, the man who had the job was called the groom of the stool. That's why they call it a duty. No. <laughs> so the interesting thing is that that job was really, really sought after. Because if you can imagine to have a one to one with the king for any length of time was a fantastic thing to have. So if you had several one-to-ones with the king throughout the day just think of the things that you could talk to him about so the the key though the groom of the stool was a job that was really really sought after and if you were the groom of the stool you had influence <laughs> you could influence the king because you were talking to him you were talking to him duty, duty. 
He has yeah. the duty, the duty, the, yes, I duty, mean, duty. We shouldn't. Well, some because so you know, I don't know if you say we're back to the England, you know, English versus English thing, but over here there's duty. So you have a duty to perform, but because of our <laughs> lingo, it's duty. But duty is a poopy. All oh, right, okay. So, so you could be on duty, duty. <laughs> you could be. I googled <laughs> the most interesting See? toilets in the world. And New Zealand wins. I don't know what they're doing down there, but there's one in the shape maybe, of a lobster. I don't get it, but there you go. Oh, okay. Ouch. <laughs> See, we're supposed to be taking the royal tour of Britain. Somehow yeah, getting it. Yeah, it's descended. Supposed, but you it's said descended. toilet. Descended <laughs> into the toilet. It did. But okay, but did they flush back then? Or was it like a chamber pot? No, it was a pot. It's a pot. The, one, the, the, the stool that he would have had in his own little mm -hmm. cupboard. Um, would have been a, a pot in a in a very nice cabinet. Um, wow! In, in normally in castles, the toilets would have emptied through a chute into the moot or into a, a a dung pit, which would need to be emptied out every so often by the the keeper of the dung hill. Um, <laughs> that was another job which was another job that people had to do. It would Sounds be, like what I'm doing with the donkey lately. Yeah, exactly. Someone has to do it. And it's Try a on. very responsible job because if you think about it, if people don't clear up the toilet, you're going to have a problem in your hand, on yes. your hands. And then when you so, make the hill, it does run downhill, I'm just going to say. Well, it does. But <laughs> the solid needs to be got rid of. And the person who done that. Are we talking a... politics again? <laughs> yeah, that as well. We always do. We, you know I we know. I, well, you cannot. If you put a toilet in your article, there's no way we're not going to go there. You know, no. there's just absolutely no. no way. And then it go that leads right to politics, well, no matter how you is, look at it. But it is interesting when at what time in history did people decide to do something about I really don't want to go and stand by a tree in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, yeah, what did they do yeah. back in the, I mean, did they all have chamber pots from the get-go? Or, I mean, mm -hmm. when you think about medieval times, I mean, I remember even reading and learning in history as a little kid, you know, we were always talking about how sewer systems were formed because of all the disease where yes. people would empty yeah. their pots out into the street. And so yeah. royalty, yeah. I mean, they had to have their own landfill. Well, the thing is, you see, I mean, obviously, if you lived in a in a house, you had a chamber pot, which is yeah. basically a pot for the chamber, you know, mm -hmm. your bedroom. So okay. you have a pot in your bedroom for the nighttime. But generally speaking, most village people would have just used a hole in the garden. You know, mm -hmm. they wouldn't have had a specific building for it. And they would have wow. probably had... Um, if you were rich, you would have a pot. But, you know, you would, generally speaking, the normal commoner garden people would have used a hole in the ground or a tree. You know, mm. why, mm. why waste money on building a building for something so basic? Lavish. It's lavish. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah lavish. but the actual, the actual process is pretty basic. So why do you want to build a building? And also, you would need to move where you went and went to the toilet because you would need a fresh supply of leaves wherever you went or moss because that's <laughs> what you used to clean up with. You know, if, if you were a, a common 
or garden mm-hmm. bloke, it would be, you know, moss or a leaf. You know, autumn you is like harvest time. Well, you can't you can't use Spanish moss because that's got chiggers in it. Yeah, the little bugs here. They call them chiggers. C H I G G E R S M. Oh, sorry, Glenn, come back. I've lost Glenn, you. Glenn, you went. Yeah. Yes, you're I back. Think, I think we've lost. No, you're there. I went. You went. Someone Uh-oh. went. I was. We got just in trouble. Saying, we got somebody go flushed. I'm still here. Okay. I'm still here. I can hear you. Yeah. What, I, what I was, um, my internet, was, anyway, what I'm saying is that the history of toilets is fascinating. It really, really mm. is fascinating. And, you know, I know it always raises a smile, but actually yes. it's something we all do. Right. And the actually, actually to learn about the history of it is absolutely Fascinating. It well, really I think it's is. fascinating with this you know, the one. Roman, the Romans used um, a stick. A stick? I'm, the I'm losing oh. you again. Okay, hold on. The Romans were using... So, Glenn, a stick, the Romans used a stick. What were they doing with the stick? Because now my <laughs> brain went somewhere. You're recording again. Um, yeah, the Romans used a stick with like a, a sponge on the end of it, and and basically when they when they sat on the toilet, there'd be a whole row of toilets, generally speaking, in in a a, a big Roman building, and in front of the Roman people, there would be like a little um, channel of water that ran through all the time, and you would clean yourself up with the end of the stick with a sponge on it. And then you would wash it in the water that was running through. And then you would make sure you're clean and wash it again. And you'd put the stick in the in the bucket. That's where the old saying, don't get hold of the wrong end of the stick. comes. Oh, from. no way. <laughs> well, that's of- kind of, I wonder if that led to bidets. Okay, so I think we're going to have to do a toilet. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, no, because you know what? Look how many travel writers we know that have been in different toilets around the world, too. Oh, come on. I tell you, it's absolutely fascinating to it learn is. The because the bidet thing, like we, yes. we, you know, we were pet sitting for a couple that went to um, England and then they went to Portugal. And in Portugal, same as in Mexico, in some areas, you do not flush your toilet paper down the toilet. It goes in no. a bag and into the trash. And they're no. like, why are you clogging your waterway with? paper yeah mm-hmm. they do so the then, same in they do the same in greece because they mm-hmm. i think um the 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 pipe the sewage pipes are smaller in greece mm-hmm. so they don't they don't allow toilet paper down the toilets there wow. were there are parts of um africa that are like that as well so depending on who colonized what part of africa it yeah. depends on what kind of toilets you got yeah obviously well, Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also, see, this goes back to eat a little bit all the time instead of a whole bunch. Of well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the one, <laughs> one funny, the one funny fact is a bit, sorry. one of the men who invented the flush toilet. Did you know what his name was? Yes. Crapper. Thomas yeah, Crapper. Thomas, Thomas Crapper. Which I, I find, I, I don't know if that's where the word came from. I suppose it is. I, I think so. I think it probably is. But, you know, I, I find that 
quite either either that or his mother had a really good sense of humor when she got married well then there's all these toilets now where you okay don't i can't if i start on the toilet thing i will never stop you know yeah let's go back let's go let's go back to the royalty so but the thing is that the important thing from this is it's a lavish toilet but he has someone doing the royal duty with him so well not like the the poopy but he's he somebody has a full-time job of being the toilet manager for the king yeah Yeah. and at this point if you're a commoner for you to be able to talk to the king like have that private time that's pretty it's like the women you know the the women royals who have the the maids that are you know right there it's it's a very uh prestigious job actually exactly and and it wouldn't be somebody who is low down who would be the the person who would be doing that job at all it would be someone well up because mm-hmm. like i say it's a job that is not easy to come by so it wouldn't just be any old body who is going to be the groom of the stool because he would be an important person already really so, the name uh, is groom of the stool really I'm sorry, I can't. We, <laughs> we need to move on to the next argument. It's never good. This is going to be going all day for us now. Yeah. I, you know, it, you let's know, go to Winchester. Childish. Can we go okay, to Winchester? So, okay, let's go to Winchester. Okay, let's and so Winchester. this was the capital. This was the capital of England at one point. It was. It was at one point. It, in Saxon times, it was the, the capital of England. It was the, the Normans, really, who, who bought London into the forefront more so. Um, and the interesting thing about Winchester is, I don't know if, if you're, you're, you're not, but if you're my age, you will remember the song Winchester Cathedral. Yes, I oh, yeah. do. I remember singing it. Yeah, I love I love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, but Winchester- I learned to play it on my recorder. Oh no, not the recorder. <laughs> I did. I drove Nancy bonkers. I would play the That's recorder the to wake everybody up at six in the morning. Ever, ever made. Does anybody blow it? No, it, Does anybody no, I, play the recorder properly? You know, no, because I, I, I don't I think did. it's playable. It just is the worst sounding instrument ever. I had so a wood one, they, and I can still taste use? it. Why, it was, why did they use it? Horrible thing. Well, because people they wanted to torture the parents. It was cheap, and um, it's kind of like a forerunner to the clarinet, but it didn't have the reed to make it sound yeah. mellow. It just would no. the groom of the stool play the recorder while the king was on the other? That's why maybe they oh, say about no. the king on the throne, the the porcelain throne. You know, now I'm going. See, I'm never going to pull out of this toilet right now. Anyway, Winchester. Okay. To get Thank back you. on the subject, go go. Um, Winchester has got uh, King Arthur's Round Table. Um, oh, everybody's heard of King Arthur and right. the Round Table, and Winchester has got the Round Table hanging on a wall in the Great Hall. Wow. Now, nobody actually knows whether King Arthur existed for certain. I, I don't think. Um, nobody knows whether he had a round table, but it's hanging on the wall in Winchester. So, so hmm. who knows? But then there's a big debate. We've done this. There's we've done this show a, on, on right now. There's got to be a way with DNA testing and such to find out now. Well, um, there's a way to find out through dendrochronology to find the oh. date of the table, you know, tree yeah. ring dating. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether that's been done, but 
I think we would have heard about it if they'd actually mm. found out that it dated from Saxon times. So I, I don't I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Probably that's mm. another thing. I, I have to make another note. See, I know. It's like every time we come on the show and then we go, what? What's where's the list? You know, yeah, right. But, but you, you said ring. Yeah. <laughs> now, see, well, I've got the giggles. <laughs> it's like it's like Robin Hood, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I think I think again, Robin Hood could be a a, a joined up load of different people, you know, mm. and it could just be a story that was that was told because it's a lovely story, you know, where right. you rob, rob from the rich and feed the poor rather than mm. what we do now, where we rob from the poor and feed the rich, you know. Really? <laughs> we went to politics again, really. That's it, what happens here well at the moment. See, whenever so, you bring in the stool story, then you know we're going to be talking yeah, about exactly. politics. You know? just, just, <laughs> you're talking about the, the stool, so you're thinking about politicians, really, aren't you? Come on. That, that is it. Because what do you think they're doing in those big office things? I mean, Anyway, let's let's I won't go. But this is really cool to go there. <laughs> so and then you go to London, the Hampton Court Palace. Yeah. Hampton Ooh. Court, like I say, is is a beautiful, beautiful building. It really is lovely. And mm-hmm. and the, the lovely the my favorite part of Hampton Court, apart from Henry VIII's close stool, is the kitchens. The kitchens mm. are amazing. So oh, if wow. you you know if you if you Google Hampton Court, look at the kitchens. Because okay. they have got these absolutely massive Tudor fireplaces, you know, which they used to cook on. Oh, wow. They've got those those big spits that they used to put a, oh, a whole, yeah, yeah. A whole ox Pick. on, you know. And, oh, it's fantastic. And they used to do wow. the bread like that. We've seen some ovens in this country where, yeah. especially back east, some of those ovens are like a whole mm. wall. Yes. You know, just for yeah, well, they have to and- be. You know, if yeah. you think about it, you're you're cooking for for dozens and dozens and dozens of people, mm-hmm. and you know, so the kitchens had to be massive, and the wow. the kitchens the kitchens at Hampton Court were were amazing. And the last time I was there with these last two visitors, they actually had a whole load of people there doing reenactments, cooking stuff. Oh, cool! You know? And and I that see. is that really does bring history to life. Mm-hmm. It really is good. And, and they were yes. showing us how they mm. do things, you know, and that was that was excellent. I love that. So sort the, of thing. Mm. There wasn't baked beans back then. Right. We're talking about the 16th century. There wasn't baked no. beans or were they using beans at that point? Um, they would have had different pulses. Um, so there would have been um, peas and probably some beans. But I don't know what sort we had at that time. Um, they were bringing in lots of foreign food by then because you you know you're mm. you're talking you know the 1550s, you know so we were already going around the world quite a lot. Um, America had already been discovered obviously by then because that was 1492, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, well I'm I'm going to get wrong there when America was discovered by the English mm-hmm. yes 1492 not when it was discovered because it had been known about by for the Indians yeah. Native Americans yeah 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 it, so, it's, yeah so the the first Anglo kind of thing you could say yes so yeah. I mean that, you know, that is something that obviously we 
I, I was brought up, obviously, in the 1960s when we always said, you know, America was discovered in 1492 mm. and Australia was discovered in 1775. Well, that really does prove of the indoctrination of the, the people at that time. You know, mm. we didn't we didn't consider and, you know, I'm talking from my generation. Right. I'm not talking about today. I'm not mm. trying to be controversial. I'm just saying how it is. But at that time, we didn't really acknowledge the fact that America existed before 1492 or mm. Australia existed before 1775. You know, we right. we just said that's when, when it was discovered. Well, no, right. that's a load of rubbish. It had been discovered right. for millions of years. You know, yes. The Aboriginals in, Amer- in Australia, mm. they had a fantastic way of life. Oh, yeah. But it was just that we hadn't gone. You yeah, know? well, it, that's how we well, that did, is, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that, is, that is really something that, you know, politically mm. is a really dangerous thing to talk about. But I think we need to talk about it. Because we always need was, to talk about it. How do that we is how I was brought up, you know. Yeah. We went there. Up. You know, we went to places to save the savages. Oh, don't yeah. start me on that. That's well, arrogant. Yeah. I totally yeah. went over here, cut cut yeah. their hair off and put them in and, schools You and change their religious beliefs. And, you know, I that mean, happened turned, all over Africa. Turn some people into slaves, but mm. let them go or make that force, whatever word you want to use, go to our church, not theirs, yeah. because we were helping them go to heaven when they die which is so interesting Wildly because they make them work look the how many fields. i mean people came here for religious freedom and get? then they forced people into their religion exactly yeah, yeah. i it's mean it's amazing how people are the human being the, is weird <laughs> i think the slave the slave conversation is is really quite interesting because you you always or i always hear about the slave that we took over from Africa to America. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be overlooked that my ancestors were enslaved mm-hmm. because we, are, my ancestors had to work for the Lord of the manor. And if they didn't work for the Lord of the manor, they didn't have a house and they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So they would have been kicked out and, and had to live in a forest on their own because they were I, Irish enslaved. Were you know, Irish okay. were enslaved. Well, the then, Irish were enslaved. Exactly. Um, African tribes had, when they went to battle with another tribe, would take the women and children. They yep. would kill they the men usually. Them. They enslaved them. Native yep. Americans enslaved them. I think, Native I think what, is, what is different yes. in so this that's country. Just people the, the, did that. People, slavery was a thing around the world, and it is still happening today with human trafficking, and that's a whole mm-hmm. other show. But yeah, yeah, and we've done a, a, a number of pieces on that. And the problem is, this country didn't switch gears once they realized, hey, this is a bad thing. And then we have a civil war, and then we had Jim Crow era. And so, when you look in different neighborhoods. It has been a very unfair, unjust way of living for oh, sure. people who are descendants of slavery. And mm-hmm. some, you know, were able to break through, some were not, and were left behind. And mm-hmm. there's still places in this country where the library books haven't been changed since the 30s or 40s. 
I mean, right. so that, you know, there's, there's, there's things like um, eugenics that happen in this country where women would go into a hospital for um, something, anything, uh, Planned Parenthood. Um, okay, now, now we're going to get all the political people attacking me, but you know, we sterilized and we've still all yeah. the way till this day, sterilized black mm-hmm. women, you know, yeah. and they're they also did. white and also some white women, if you came from a poor area yeah, and you yeah, have space yeah, to yeah. say poor, but underprivileged or whatever, um, it, it's, there is, we didn't make steps fast enough and we're needing to catch up and we need to catch up fast and not having oh. conversations about it is not going to fix no. anything. We need, there we needs need to be to conversation and then there needs to be action. It can't yeah. just be. We inaction. also experimented on black people. Oh yeah, yeah. we did. And well, we the same, did. Same, same, as, same as Hitler. Same as yeah. Hitler. Did. Yeah. 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 And it, it doesn't do any good to try to cover up it. It's a fact of history. We personally didn't do it. No. But our ancestors did. So, I mean, so I don't think we're to blame for it, no, but no. we are to blame for not coming forward and saying that and admitting it happened. And, you know, do we own an apology? I don't know. I think that if you look at history, everybody owes each other an apology. Well, I think, I think that we, in every you know? place that you can't go, you can't generalize either, right? Mm-hmm. But we all do because it's an easier way of communication. And mm-hmm. every place is a little different and every story has something different. So it's about us connecting more on an individual and community level than yeah. a broad sweeping thing. And I think this is what travel does. Yes. When you go to a, a place, you start to really realize, like when you go to a castle, all these you know fancy places you're talking about, and you go in and see the servants' quarters. You know, you yeah. go and go, oh, look at this. They live mm-hmm. la- lavishly, la, la, la. Then you go see the, the prisons the dungeons yeah. you see yeah, the guillotines like, you see all yeah. this and you go okay wait a minute it wasn't all roses was it no, you know no, so no. <clears throat> so that's what uh, travel I, does yeah i think i think it's really important to travel and to to mix and to be with other communities because you know i personally some people have said that the japanese need to apologize for what they did to their uh, prisoners well that is going to do nobody any good. What, what is the point for somebody in Japan who didn't have anything to do with that to apologise to somebody in England who didn't have anything to do with it anyway because everybody who was there has, has died? So what is the point in an apology? It's completely hollow. What we need to do is to be able to mix as people on an equal footing today. That's all we need right. to do. And, and then I we'll think- make it better. The fact that we don't do that now is the apology. Well, I think we're getting there. I think we're slowly getting there. And I think conversations are, there's some organizations where they take multi, you know, a, they have dinner together. So it's diversity in religion and culture. And they yeah. say like you can have Muslim, Jew, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Christian and you know, sitting, you know, there's all all the different, you know, and they'll sit down different levels of economic ranking, however you want to call it. And I think those are the things we need to do and have those conversations, because you'll find that we all care about our kids. Unless you're a psychopath, right? Those psychopaths are psychopaths. We all mm-hmm. care 
care about our kids. We care about education. Mm-hmm. We care about our surroundings, you know, being healthy and clean. Now you'll find that basically we all do actually share some common ground. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me, even in this country where, you know, there's the complete opposite in political parties, but they're actually saying the same thing in just different ways. And so it's, it, it's a very, and I know it's similar there for you too, but if mm-hmm. we have these conversations and we get out and about into communities, even if it's virtual, because I know COVID's up and down and weird, but we need to communicate. And I think what you're doing is so important. You know, we've done so many shows lately with travel writers and, and even a photography expert. One of the top is on our show coming up soon. And he talks about the importance of having a fixer. Because then I thought of you, I'm like, Lynn's a fixer. He knows everybody in Norfolk, you know, and, and having a tour guide. And it's not about mm-hmm. having your little sticker on there and everybody get the same box lunch. It's about really connecting and going in and having that scone that was homemade and having that conversation like, hmm. oh, my gosh, your family built this property back in the 1700s. That's crazy. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and understanding and through those experience, immersive, authentic experience, it's huge. The other thing is volunteering. We're doing oh, yes. a ton of shows. It seems mm-hmm. more and more that in travel, we're looking at regenerative uh, travel, regenerative, excuse me, um, where it's it goes that you're leaving the place better than when you walked in. So you're connecting in the community. So say we come see you, Glenn, in Norfolk, and maybe that day you're having a an event, a soup kitchen thing. Yeah, yeah. And part of our thing is to come in and help you know, chop vegetables, serve the soup. Mm, I'm just saying. Good idea. Then you come in and you're working with the community and you are leaving a better footprint. You know, our parks always have things to clean the beach, clean the parks, you know, help make trails. And as travelers, if we do something to give back, and I mean more than just take pencils, though those are necessary. And I mean more than the dollar donation. I mean, you get involved, then that bridges a cultural gap. Yeah. And also you're talking to the locals, which is what I always say to people is you must talk to the local people. So if you're working on a a project where you're clearing out a a pond or something, you know, you're talking to the bloke next door to you or the woman next Mm -hmm. door to you, and she's going to be talking about what she done last week, you know, and you can Mm -hmm. talk about what you did. And then... Guess what? You learn about each other. Right. And that's what it's all about. And it you know, bridges that, that imaginary gap, you know, because I think we're all brought up with, well, don't talk to this kind of person, beware of strangers, all that negative stuff. Hmm. And then you're going to be working next to a stranger, talk to them, and find out that I know not all strangers are good, not no. all people are good. But if you're working together on a project as a volunteer, chances are you're not talking to a psychopath. You no, might exactly. be, but, you know, I doubt it. You know, <laughs> but it, it, halfway in the conversation, you'll know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you might get a vibe. Like, yeah. I think I'll move to the other side of the yeah. pond. But, <laughs> but, I think you know. this, but travel too, you meet people that are traveling with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes in a group. Mm-hmm become friends with these people when it's a smaller group instead of the massive bus loads of people you still group up with people so yeah there's something in that too but so okay so we go to Hampton Court yeah and then we go to Windsor 
at Windsor, and then then we drop you off at Heathrow Airport or, or Gatwick. Yeah. Sorry, Gatwick Airport. So that that would that would easily fill um, seven or eight days of of a tour, and also we'd be we'd be stopping every now and again anyway, so you'd see other things. But that sort of thing would do you a nice seven or eight days of a tour. Um, that's a good that's a good tour. Well, yeah. it's not rushed, you know. Like I yeah. said at the beginning, you know, it's all about having time to actually learn to and enjoy learn about the stuff what you're taught what you're actually looking at rather mm -hmm. than rushing from here to there to there to there which is there's nothing worse there's nothing yeah, worse. I've, I've been on tours where you're so rushed that you wonder why you went yeah you know because okay it's almost like flipping through a book and just maybe looking at the photos and not even having time to read the captions you know just yeah. like flipping through which is it might inspire interest but it sure doesn't answer questions no i mean i always say i always say to my guests that the only deadline is the flight home yeah you know, so so when we arrive somewhere you know very often on the first the first visit people will say to me what time do you want us back you know, from the, the coffee shop or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I say, whenever you're ready, you know, because if you want to sit and have a chat with somebody or if you want to have an extra walk around and do so, then that's what you're doing. You yeah, know, yeah. you don't want to you don't want to say, right, you've got to be back at the car at this time. You've got to be back here at this time. You mm -hmm. know, there is no deadline because mm -hmm. there's nothing worse than being rushed about. You know. No, Nancy doesn't like to be rushed about. Sorry, I had to disappear there. I get a little yeah. allergy cough here. It's summer. It's here. Uh -huh. It's a change of season. But anyway, everybody, norfolk-tours.co.uk is the website. Glenn's article on the Royal Tour of Britain, including the toilet, is up on nationalparktraveling.com. And Could also be. you'll see it in the upcoming it'll be in the upcoming issue of Park Park Yourself on the Toilet <laughs> and Travel Magazine. And keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. Thank you so much, Glenn. Okay. I I can actually put together a toilet tour if you like. I mean, it could be quite interesting. Let's that would do actually it. be funny. Let's do it. I want to hear about it. Why not? Lovely Why not? to speak to you. See you later. <laughs> you see you soon. <laughs>